This is lesson seven, healing a commandment. We've already previously covered and proved that sickness is not the will of God. Uh, if it was the will of God, if sickness was ever the will of God, you could never even go to the hospital in any measure of faith because if it was the will of God and you weren't sure or not, by going to the hospital, you would become anti-will of God. And then it would cause hospitals to stand as anti-God if healing uh, or if sickness was the will of God. We know that sickness doesn't teach us anything except medical science. And even then, most folks who go to the hospital with sickness don't come out any more medically educated than they did before. They just know I take this little pill and it makes my problems go away. So it is a, a ridiculous and ignorant and backwards doctrine that somehow has become mainstream that God wants you sick sometimes and that will, God will use sickness to teach you something sometimes. That's so ridiculous, it's, it, it screams biblical ignorance. The Bible's very clear. Uh, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Jesus Christ said so. The Bible's very clear. The scriptures are our teacher. The Bible says so. The Bible's very clear. We have teachers that are our teachers. But nowhere from Genesis to Revelation 66 books, 32,000 verses, does it ever say sickness will teach you anything. But as we've proven in other lessons, if you want to be biblical about why sickness comes, sickness comes because sometimes you're sinful. Sickness comes some, because sometimes you're out of the will of God. Sickness comes because sometimes it's a demonic attack. Sickness comes for multiple reasons, but never is it the will of God. And so if you want to be biblical and spiritual about sickness, we'll be real about it. Sometimes it's judgment. Sometimes it's rebellion. Sometimes it's demons. And so if we're going to be biblical with it, let's just be fully biblical. The cool thing is we can stand against it, we can resist it, and be healed. Jesus Christ wants us healed. He even designed our bodies to have a healing mechanism called the immune system. Self-healing, to some degree, our body will repair itself. Uh, we will recover certain things. Uh, we fight off certain things. Even a fever, though it's sickness, is actually fighting disease. If you don't know what a fever is, it's your body turning up the temperature to kill foreign entities. It's so cool. You know, you break bones, they fix themselves. Amen. So if God doesn't want us healed, why did he design us with the healing ability? It's, just, it's a measure. It isn't fully and complete, but it's pretty good. Do you know if you lose a fingernail, it grows back. The only thing that doesn't seem to grow back are teeth. Dr. James will hook you up, though, give you some nice porcelain synthetic polymer ones. And you can, uh, you know, not brush your teeth for the rest of your life still. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's jump into this. Healing a commandment. One interesting aspect of divine healing often overlooked is the precedent set forth in the Bible of healing as a commandment. That's what we're going to spend this whole issue, this whole lesson looking at. Healing is a command. In many instances of divine, miraculous healing in the Bible, the sick were actually commanded to be whole or healthy. There is most certainly not a biblical command to be sick and die. Never does God command his people to, you just be sick and die. No, no, we get to die one day. It is appointed a man once to die and then the judgment. And we ought to, not in the sense that we're looking forward to it, but there comes a time when you've lived long enough, you've earned the right to pass away. And I've heard many stories of old people, and I'm thank God I'm not that old, but and I and I can't imagine it where I'm at now. But we see it first spelled out with Abraham. The Bible says Abraham died when he was of a full old age and fully satiated, fully satisfied. That means he got to a place where he said, "I'm done. I don't want to live anymore." 
There's nothing more I want to do. I've eaten all I want to eat. I've built all I've want to build. I've seen all I've want to seen. I'm just done. And I've got to be there with a few old folks, not many, but a few who've said the exact same thing. I'm old and I'm tired of being here. Why won't God let me die? And we have to pray with them and encourage them. God will let you die. He'll let you come home if that's what you want. You get that, that place where you can pray and release your spirit and go home. But we never see a command where God says, you die. He says, if you don't repent, you will. But that's more of a warning than it is a command. There is most certainly not a biblical command to be sick and die. All the all this death talk you see in the Bible is always warnings or prophecies that are warnings. If you don't turn, you'll die. Tell Hezekiah to put his house in order. He's going to die. And Hezekiah turned the thing around and got 15 more years. Let us look at examples of commanded healings. This ought to really encourage us because not only does God want us healed, many times he's saying, be healed in Jesus' name. That's a command. Be free. You know, be in your vehicle right now. Be available when I need you. We understand this, this be term. It's an understood command. It's an imperative, as they say in English. Uh, it's an understood, this is somebody commanding you. And when we see all these examples, it, it, hopefully it'll squash any doubt you ever have in your heart or mind. Well, maybe I'm having trouble getting healed because God's still trying to work something out or maybe I was too sinful. No, 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 stop that up. Uh, God wants you healed. And you have to be able to uh, be willing to fight for it and contend for it and, and, and speak to it no matter how long it takes. And we have to be like the woman with the issue of blood who'd spent all that she had for a long time, many, many years, and she was determined she was not going to be sick. She just wanted it that bad. But we often, you know, she went to doctors first and realized they couldn't do anything. We often just keep going to the doctors. And well, you should, I'm not saying don't go to the doctors, but you ought to be also crying out to God for your healing. The only person, uh, there was a good king named King Asa in the Bible. He got diseased in his feet, military wound. And the Bible says he died because he never sought God, only the physicians. Now, it wasn't like it happened overnight. He had to, he was diseased in his feet. It was either two or three years. So in two or three years, he never bothered to seek God for his injury. And God said, fine, die. That's what the Bible says very clearly. He's not against doctors. Jesus Christ said, the sick have need of a physician. All right, so there's nothing wrong with it, but you gotta make sure you're talking to God too and say, Lord, I thank you for this MRI. Lord, I thank you for these pills, but you've gotta heal me. Your word says I'm the healed of God. I, I, tell, I would tell you in my own personal life, I say do whatever you gotta do to keep on keeping on, but at some point you get tired of having training wheels called medicine. And at some point, you get tired of having to be bound. At some point, if you're determined enough, your heart will cry loud enough to say, I'm over this. I want this bad. Until your heart gets there, you'll never get it. You can say you want it. You can say, boy, it's an inconvenience. But until your heart is really determined, you're not going to get it. And we can't put all of it in God's basket. Well, he'll do it when he wants to do it. No, the Bible teaches very clearly faith receives. The Bible very clearly teaches according to your faith, you can have what you want. Mark 11, 24, 25 says that. Jesus with blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, that I might receive my sight. Do you think I can do this? I believe. Then be it according to your faith. So sometimes we get into these religious ruts and we try to sound super spiritual and spooky. Well, God's just not prepared yet. No, you're not prepared. Well, it's just not God's will yet. Uh, no, it was God's will in Isaiah 53. Amen. Well, you know, he, he, we don't understand all things. No, but we can. 
Now, what I understand is you just don't want it bad enough yet. It's just not important. And that's all right. If it's not important enough to you, that's all right. But quit putting the blame on God. I wear glasses. It's just not important to me to have perfect vision. I mean, I want it, but contacts and glasses are just too easy. I got a bunch of other stuff I'm working on. Amen. You know, we're always going to be dealing with something in our body because the outward man perishes, but some things just aren't important enough to us. And that's okay. Some people go bald and they don't ever, you could believe God for more hair if you wanted to. If it's just not important to you, though, it's just not important to you. Some men, baldness or anti-baldness is so critical, they go out and do hair plugs for men. And they, you know, they, you know, like warehouser, they just plant a bunch of trees on their head and it looks goofy. It looks like the baby doll when you cut the hair too close. If they don't do it right, you know, that's, that's important to them. That's fine. Sometimes women do that. They have to have hair plugs for gals or whatever they do. I don't, I don't know the technology. If it was me, I'd just shave my head because I have a full head of hair and I still shave my head. But when it's important to you, you contend for it. You bear down on it. It, it, it makes it where it just consumes you till you get it. And, and if it's just not important to us enough, we're just not going to get it. We'll just keep coping. And it's all right if you're coping, just call it what it is, coping. Don't blame God. Don't blame the Lord Jesus. Don't try to make it some kind of mystical will out in the ethereal. No, you're just coping. Just be honest. It's just not important enough to me. Because if it is important to you, you will be like the woman with the issue of blood. You'll keep pressing him. She was, she was risking certain death coming because she was unclean. She had an issue of blood under Levitical law. She had to stay out till she was healed of it. She had, wasn't healed of it. So coming into this massive crowd of people on her hands and knees, she knew she risked certain death if she was caught. That's why she, she didn't want to talk to him face to face. I'll just touch him. That's a determined woman. Nobody else got healed that day, though. Everybody was thronging. Were there not more needs there? Absolutely. Were there not more sickness evident? Absolutely. Only one person got it because only one person was desperate and she determined, I am not going to cope with this. I hate this thing. I am bleeding out. I've spent my fortune. It has done me no good but I heard of a savior. So I, I say this because we often think just a prayer line will do it. We often think just sprinkles called faith confessions are going to do it. All the major healings I've ever received in my life took a determined hourly, two hourly, three hourly consumption of my heart, mouth, and soul to get. We just don't live in the age of uh, miracle revival right now. We, we're just not ha seeing a revival of signs and wonders and miracles where Brother Hagin said back in the healing revival, he said healing somebody was the easiest thing in the world to do. Everybody got healed. He said the weird thing is when somebody didn't get healed. Then you're left scratching your head wondering why 100 people got healed and one didn't. But that was a revival. We're not in that. So in this day and age, if you're going to get it, you got to operate on sheer faith. You got to operate doing the tool, using the tools, you know, and you have to have this heart that says, I hate this thing. This is not the will of God. It's not God's blueprint. It's not God's design. It's a ploy of the enemy. It's an attack. And I resist it. I don't even care if it's DNA. I don't care if it's genetic. We can overcome this thing. So until you get that in you, you'll just be sick having knowledge you could be healed. That's not to put any of us down if we're still fighting something. We're teaching healing because we're all fighting something. But I just want to be very straight with you. This rests in your own heart. This rests in your own mouth. This rests, as we say, in your hands. We believe that. And so you just have to want it a little bit better than the inconvenience it offers you every once in a while. 
Uh, when I got healed of the warts on my foot, that thing was a constant consuming thought because it's on the bottom of my foot and every step I was mindful, this thing's getting worse. What happens next? This thing's getting worse. What happens next? How far am I willing to let this thing go? That caused you to speak to it every day, to pray about it every day, to sing songs about it, to curse it, to mock it, to study scripture for it. And it still took five years to get the victory over it. What happens if I wasn't intent for five years? Maybe it took 10 years. How bad would have looked after 10 years? So this thing, it, it all rests in our heart. Study the gospels. Look at every time Jesus addresses people. Many, many people interrupted Jesus. He was not going to heal them. He was not even focused on them. He was walking from here to there and they interrupted Jesus with their cry. There were seasons where he'd stand and heal the multitude. But the most miraculous ones, the ones we have records of, the ones who we have, we know what nation they're from, where we know what their sickness was from, those were the folks that interrupted Jesus. He was not going to heal them because he didn't even know they were there because he was walking from the boat to Jairus' daughter to raise her from the dead when the woman with the issue of blood stopped and interrupted him. And he was walking from, uh, from Jerusalem to the other place when the 10 lepers cried out and said, Lord Jesus, thou have, son of David, have mercy on us. And then he's walking from the coast of Tyre and Zidon down to the Galilee and a Syrophoenician woman interrupted him and said, why won't you heal me? Heal me, my daughter's vexed of a devil. These folks interrupted what God was doing because of their cry and their, their, their desperation. We just aren't desperate. We're, we're just sitting, sometimes we just sit in the multitude mindset and hoping God will just move and throw his pixie dust on us. That's not happening right now. So if you're going to get it, you're going to have to cry and interrupt him on the way of what else he's doing. Because when the Syrophoenician woman got her baby girl healed, he wasn't in miracle mode. He was in walking mode. It was not what he was emphasizing in that moment. And when the woman with the issue of blood got healed, he was not in healing mode. He was in walking from the boat to the Jairus' house mode. He was keeping a promise to a, a synagogue owner. And when all these other blind Bartimaeus and his sidekick, hey, Jesus was just walking down the road and he heard that Jesus was coming. He starts crying out. Jesus is in miracle mode. He's in walking mode. He's thinking about where he's going. Not all the blind people on the sides of the road. And right now, God is not in miracle mode in our nation, not probably even in the earth. Not like we saw in the healing revivals, not like in the early church. Right now, he's just in the midst of getting the church ready for the rapture and getting the church holy. So if we're gonna get this stuff in this season right now, we got to cry out for it. We have to interrupt what he's doing, which means it's got to be important enough to you to take time away from him and say, Jesus, you said, have mercy on me. I hate this thing. It cripples me. It hurts my marriage. It hurts my kids. I'm not going to tolerate this. We are too lazy, though, as Americans, because we can cope and get by. And we've got the next movie to think about. We've got the next dinner party to think about, the next football game to think about. The next recital, rehearsal, game, sport, conference, and therefore we just go another year and we're still sick. And it gets worse. And it gets bigger. And it gets uglier. And we keep hoping, with selfish American hope, we keep hoping that maybe some, some Holy Ghost pixie dust will fall on us. We're basically living like the man at the pool, Bethesda. I hope I'll get healed. I hope the angel of God will move a service and I'll get healed. You're hoping somebody else is going to do it for you. That's what the man at the Bethesda said. I, I have no man to do this for me. So we just keep waiting and another year goes by 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 and Jesus asks, will you be made whole? 
I have no man. Uh, we haven't had a healing service in a while. Jesus didn't ask if we had a healing service in a while. He said, will you be made whole? Well, we hadn't had a healing anointing in a while. Jesus didn't ask if there was a healing anointing. He asked the man at the pool, Bethesda, will you be made whole? Well, uh, the angel hasn't troubled the water in a while. He didn't ask about the troubling of the water. Will you be made whole? And then just out of sheer compassion, Jesus says, get up. It's a command. Take up your bed. He only healed one person that day. Nobody else. The Bible says there's a great multitude of hot, lame, impotent, crippled, and he only heals one man. But the Lord sent him to heal that one man. It wasn't even that one man's faith. It was Jesus being sent because he said, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. So he sees the father tell him to go, go to this one man and ask him this. This is where we got to get to. Uh, you shouldn't expect me because I don't operate in the healing anointing much. Now, it could come on us. We could have a great revival. But this has got to be your own personal walk. Nothing will bring about the cry for healing revival like Ebola sweeping through the nation. I've told my wife, I said, honey, we're going to have to start praying more. We're going to have to keep our faith maxed out on this thing, redlined on healing. Because this stuff starts sweeping through. They, we just lost another child in America to that virus. They're pretty sure it came out of Honduras. Because, you know, we have no borders. So all these immigrants come through illegally with all their viruses that we don't have an immune system to fight. So our, our government has opened us up to the plague and we're lazy spiritually. The, we live in America. We ought to be able to cure those kids, yet they're dying and, and they're paralyzed. And they just, they, they're acting like they don't know what it is. And many folks have said, we know exactly what it is. We treat it on mission trips down in Honduras. I, I think it's called the Honduran flu. They have all these names for it. It's, it's, it's a known disease. We're acting like, we don't know what it is. Because then we'd have to explain, well, it's because we just let 70,000 illegals come through. Make no, no doubt about it. Uh, the current thing running our government, I don't say it's a man because he doesn't run anything. The current thing is hell-bent on destroying our nation. And you and I, we just keep entertaining ourselves. We just keep eating we just keep not reading our Bible. We just keep, you know, going through the zombie mode of life, going to work and coming home and paying the tithe and paying the bill. And, and what are we contributing to the safety and defense of our nation through prayer? Nothing. You, you know, two new diseases just cropping up in our nation. What happens when it goes pandemic? It's terrifying. We, we lose track that like during World War I, Spanish fever swept through and killed over a million people. We've only lost 4,000 to Ebola and the world's nervous. A million people died 100 years ago, right before, right at World War I with the Spanish fever. I think it's with Spanish fever. A million people. Population was a lot less back then. So let me exhort you to you make sure you stay on top of the word of God. You're speaking to your body. You're declaring it does not come nigh us. We cover our family with the blood of Jesus. It doesn't come nigh our region. I prayed over our region. This junk doesn't come near our region. Then what about you hypochondriacs who are always fishing for something? I think, I think I've, how many false cases have they talked about Ebola? I think I've got it. I got the same symptoms. What's even more terrifying, same symptoms as the flu until you start bleeding out your eyes. By then it's too late. Bleeding out your rear end, bloody vomit, bleeding out your ears, and you just bleed out internally, all within a matter of days. Don't worry about whatever your little thing is, you know, your little wart, your little joint, your little headache. 
get victory over that. We need to understand healing for a lot more than that. In three days of Daniel's, of David's plague and Chronicles, 70,000 people died. That's a fast disease that can kill 70,000 people in three days. We're living in the last days, folks. We have to be very, very vigilant. You can't just live as just a warm-blooded, pulse American anymore. You have to be sober, watchful, praying with all fervency of prayer. You're going to have to pray for your kids. I, I, folks are going to lose children. There's still a prophecy running through the earth that says, what does it say? Ramoth was heard for her much weeping for all the children she lost because parents are lazy. If you don't lose them to the world, you might lose them to sickness and disease. Before we had the healing revival of John G. Lake, John G. Lake had to bury nine of his siblings. What's it like for a mom to lose nine children to sickness and disease? So we don't know that as a society because we, we've had the CDC and we've had medical revolution and we basically thought we could inoculate and wipe out anything. This stuff uh, mutates faster than our scientists can get their act together. Don't ask the government to help. They can't even sharpen pencils without a decree from Congress. So we're going to have to believe God. We're going to have to pray and cry out. We're going to have to be very serious. Now, I hope I am making you nervous because just telling you you should read your Bible is apparently is not enough. Just telling you you should pray with your kids apparently is not enough. When this stuff starts happening more and more and more and more and more, because these are what the Bible calls contractions for the birth of the Antichrist, you're going to see it. Every contraction is going to wipe people out. Every contraction is going to snatch people. And it's going to affect the church. Those that don't live clean or live holy or live, to, live with God. Not live in church. Those that don't live for God. You can go to church and not live for God. So we have to know the Bible. We have to be very determined. There has to be a fight within you that says, I will not roll over. I, I will not uh, uh, be passive. I will not be a sissy. I will be determined. I will not just have a head knowledge. I will have a heart fervor for God. This is what it's going to take. We know part of the last day's judgment of God is a lot of sickness and disease being poured out, boils. Actually, it says of, of um, the demons coming up out of the pit, to them was given power to smite, to sting man. They're given power to do it in the earth. The devils still have power in the earth to do this kind of stuff. So be fervent. Brother Hagin said, whatever you're not up on, that means you're current on. Whatever you're not current on, you're down on. So you have to constantly feed your faith concerning healing and God's word for healing. You've got to constantly be speaking to your body. Don't wait till you're sick when you're healthy. Say, Lord, I thank you for my healthy body, my healthy joints. I thank you, Father, for healthy muscles and healthy teeth, healthy eyes. Thank you for an organ system that works fluently and flawlessly. And on top of that, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of common sense of just taking care of your body. You know, watch your diet. People don't have heart attacks eating fruits and vegetables. They have heart attacks sucking lard off a cow. <laughs> Licking bacon, you know. <laughs> so eat healthy and watch what you're doing. We are an unhealthy nation because of our diet. And, and it, it, it caters to that carnal nature called no self-control. And yeah, it's, well, it's, well, it's been an hour I can eat again. 
How about uh, you're hungry and you're very weak, now you can eat again. Most Americans don't know what it means to be famished. <laughs> I'm famished. Yeah, you are. You have elastic in your pants. You don't know what famish means. <laughs> if you have stretchy pants, you have never known famish. <laughs> no, we, we, unfortunately in America, we, we live to eat and we don't eat to live. And we could all stand to lose a little bit of weight. Well, maybe one or two, Mr. Will, he, he could stand to eat a sandwich or two. Uh, the rest of us, uh, you know, we, you know, we might could stand to cut back a portion. <laughs> Amen. All right. Now, I've totally consumed my time with a five-page curriculum, so this ain't going to fly. And that's all right. But uh, let's just run through these because I think we should know the stories well enough. Leprous Naaman. What happened? The prophet sent word, tell him to go dip and be made whole. Here's a command. Jesus commands another leper in Matthew 8. Be thou clean. If you know English, there's the understood you. You be clean. Be thou clean. It's an imperative. It's a command. So Jesus, this is the only guy, this leper here in Matthew 8, he's the only question in the whole gospel that says, if you want to, I know you can. The question, he didn't ask, can you? He knew he could. He was Jesus. The question is, do you want to? And Jesus, other translations read it so much more rich in our modern English. Jesus says, I want to. I want to be thou clean. Now remember, these lepers have to stand afar off because they're lepers. They have to obey the Levitical law or they risk stoning. But he says, I, I, if you want to, you can heal me. And the Bible says, Jesus having compassion on him said, I want to be thou clean, be thou whole. The one with the issue of blood. Jesus says there, Mark 5, go in peace, be whole of thy plague. And often preachers have been made fun of for laying hands on people and saying, be healed, be whole, be clear. Well, we got it from Jesus. Aren't we supposed to be like Jesus? He looks at the woman and says, go in peace, be whole of thy plague. And you know, when Jesus said it, it just did it. Jairus' daughter, Mark 5, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. That's like saying, Melina, arise. I just commanded her, get up. Mr. Rick, arise. Big guy, ar that's what Jesus, she's dead. He's commanding a dead woman and even the dead obey. Remember Lazarus? I think we probably cover that here shortly. Lazarus, come forth. It was a command. So we're, we're seeing over and over again that many times in the Bible, healing is very much a command. A deaf man, uh, Mark 7, he, he, uh, he, put his fingers in his ears and he spit and he touched his tongue. Now, I don't know where Jesus spit. I often have thought maybe he spit on the tip of his nose because if he's got his fingers in his ears, you know, where, where's he going to spit? Maybe to the side, but maybe I just think he spits on his nose. I don't know. You can't disprove it. I can't prove it, but it does say he spits. And then he says, and then uh, touches his tongue and he says, uh, be opened. Notice another command, you be opened. A withered hand. Jesus found this man in a local synagogue on the Sabbath. And of course, they all, the Bible says they all watched Jesus to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. They didn't doubt his healing anointing. Is he gonna do it on the Sabbath? The temptation was, I dare you to do it. I know you can, I dare you to do it right now. How, how backwards, how callous were their hearts? 
but see, that spirit does run in the earth today. They would dare lay hands on people in a church service for healing. We might stop and say, you would dare go to the hospital before you ask Jesus for help. It's really just on how you view things. And so Jesus sees this man with a withered hand, you know, probably injured, maybe a nerve cut off. We don't know why his hand was withered, just kind of drawn up. And Jesus looks at him and everybody's anticipating it because they know it's coming. Even the Pharisees know it's coming. I almost think maybe their faith contributed to the atmosphere there. He's going to do it. I bet you could almost just palpably feel it. He's going to do it. And Jesus just looks and says, stretch forth your hand. And the guy stretches forth. You know, he couldn't do it until he was commanded because it had been withered. But he obeyed. Notice the commandment. Stretch forth your hand. Uh, raising a young man from the dead. We don't know this guy's name, but it's a funeral procession. They're carrying the kid's body through the streets and Jesus comes by and he just touches the coffin. He always likes to touch things, you know. And, and they that bear him, the boy, they stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. Just like how he raised Jairus' daughter. Again, the kid's dead. He's in a coffin. It doesn't say he put his mouth up against it or knocked. He just runs his hand across it and says, young man, I tell you, arise. He doesn't say he shouted it. He just said it. You don't have to scream all the time. You can just say, shut up in Jesus' name. I command you to be gone. Headache, stop. Elbow ache, stomp. Joints, I command you to stop. I, I believe, I think you believe with me, you could whisper it here and, they, and it would obey you in New York City. Because shouting from here isn't going to be heard in New York City either. But in the spirit realm, it does things. We pray for people in Africa. Whether we shout, whisper, or, or hum, it still accomplishes the same thing. That's the, cool, the coolness of the spirit realm. I'm a bound, bowed woman. Jesus found this crippled woman in the synagogue. Today's most infirm people, uh, today most infirm people use their ailment as an excuse to skip church. I like that. This woman, he found her in the synagogue. She was bowed over, probably had osteoporosis, probably had a lot of back and neck pain. She used it as an, ex today we'd use it as an excuse to skip church or nowadays you just have the sniffles and you skip church or, you know, nowadays you just, you just don't feel like it. So you stream. Or I was out late. Ah, don't worry about it. We can always stream service in the morning. And just as a side note, all my pastor friends that have streaming services all complain because they say it never gets used for what we intended for. Dr. Barclay said it tears me up. It irks me, infuriates me to go there, get the report and see who all our people staying home because you can see where they live by ISP, IP addresses. You know how many of your own folks? He said on top, Josh says on top of that, Josh Barclay said on top of that, you don't have to even search their IP address. They posted themselves on Facebook. Man, pastor is preaching an awesome message on stream this morning. Why aren't you there? Well, I got in late. Got, a late, got up late. Well, come in your pajamas and at least honor God with your presence. Now, it's just too easy just to sit there on the couch and stream. Amen. That's why I resist it. Just technology makes us lazier. Technology sure hasn't boosted our faith. It's actually weaned us off of God. Amen. So and when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. This is the woman crippled, bowed over. And he said to her, woman, thou art loosed from thy infirmity. A declaration. 
Thou art loosed. Jesus commanded this woman to be loosed. She went home from church that day brand new. I bet she's glad she didn't skip church that day. I bet she never expected going to church that day, the rabbi would come. Because see, he was walking a circuit. But happens that day, he happens to hit her synagogue. That's how the culture worked. The rabbis were rovers. They traveled from synagogue to synagogue. They had, a, they had a, a rabbi or a gentleman that ran the local synagogue and the rabbis would, would pass through. And on this day, thank God she didn't stay home from church. This day they had a healing service. Amen. The 10 lepers, uh, they requested mercy. They stood far off and Jesus gave them a command. Sometimes mercy though requires obedience. When he saw them, the first thing he says to them, go show yourselves unto the priests. He didn't say be whole. He didn't say be clean. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. Just like the leper Naaman, he said, go dip. Well, I'm, that's not a command to be healed, but as you go and obey, you will be healed. They knew that the only way they could go show themselves to the priest is if they were cleansed. And that's what they went and did. And as, the Bible says that as they went, they were cleansed. As they went. Jesus didn't instantly heal them, but he did give them a command. What if they stood there and said, well, that's dumb. Everybody else gets spit on. Or the guy that gets spit on, this is dumb. Why is he spitting on me? Or the one guy, why is he making mud balls? <laughs> it, it, even in this day, I, I think if we live back there, we want to pick and choose how he healed us. I just say, man, take it any way you can get it. If you really are serious about God, just take it any way you can get it and go on. So then the grateful leper, leper comes back and he gives thanks. He, as they're walking, they're cleansed and he looks down and sees all the whites gone. He's missing fingers and toes and maybe an ear just fell off and he accidentally kicked it. But he realizes he, he can go be with his family now. So he goes back to Jesus. Jesus doesn't even say goodbye to them. He doesn't even say, come find me when you're done. He's, he's busy going from one place to the next. So this grateful leper, as the Bible calls him, goes and chases Jesus down just to give thanks. And again, we see this, this goes on today. People come to church just to get what they need and then they don't come to church anymore. I can't tell you how many folks we've helped. They came for a hard season. They were serious about God. I invested a lot of time in them in private. And then once the problem got worked out, you don't see them anymore. They don't, they don't stick around. They don't come and say, oh, pastor, yeah, I appreciate you give me 15 hours of your life to, to help my horrific situation that I made. Uh, what can I do to help the church now? Nope. And what's worse is they stay in the church. They just kind of migrate to the back. That irritates me. This guy shows up. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. And Jesus says, uh, he says, were there not 10? Where are the other nine? And he said to them, arise, go your way. There's a command. Get up, go your way. Your faith has made thee whole. Now we understand the word whole there means he got all of his parts back. Those folks that get, just use the pastor, use the church to fix their problems, what would happen if they were to come back and be thankful? What would God restore in their life? What would God make better? Those other nine, they're just thankful not to have cauliflower skin everywhere. This guy, he's thankful for that and he tells Jesus so much and then gets his body parts totally restored to him. We don't even know what was missing, but it was pretty bad. A blind man... Hey, Jesus asked this man what he wanted. The blind man requested sight. Jesus says in Luke 18, 42, Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has saved thee or made thee whole as the Greek word would be sozo. Receive your sight. There's a command. You receive your sight. It was, he, he, it was an imperative. He commanded him, receive sight. See, 
We'd say, see in Jesus' name. Notice the command. The command came after the Lord said, what do you want? He said, I want my eyesight. And the Lord says, have some eyesight. It's a command if we want it. Most of these folks that were commanded, though, they came because they wanted it. And they weren't going to take no for an answer. Sometimes, again, taking no for an answer is so hard, we just cope. But we're not more than copers, we're more than conquerors. So we can't give up. It's totally proper at times to get just angry at whatever this thing is you need. Whatever this thing is you're believing God for. To get angry at it. I want this fixed. I need this fixed. I refuse. Uh, And I've taught this before, but I only have so many stories and I've only read so much. Uh, I'm a big World War II buff and I've read a lot of World War II history. My favorite accounts, I personally like reading stories of uh, the indomitable human spirit. What that just means is the man who just won't quit. And so in reading a lot of POW stories, you hear about these folks. These guys are 19 years old. They're 20 years. The oldest guy might be 27. You know, if you got a 30-year-old in a POW camp in World War II, he's grandpa. That's just how it was. And so these guys got girlfriends back home. They got maybe young wives. They got mamas. They're just 18, 19. Some of them are 17. So they don't even have a girlfriend. They just, they miss mama. They're just boys. And so they're in these POW camps. I've only mostly studied the POW camps of the Japanese, not the gulags of the Russians or the Germans, the stalags. But anyway, these guys that just wouldn't quit, these guys that just would not give up, these guys that said every day, I'm going home. I'm going to see my wife. I'm going to see my girl. I'm going to have a cheeseburger, none of this rice. I'm going to have a a milkshake, none of this water that gives me dysentery. I'm going home. These guys, you couldn't keep them down. But they had a thing in the camps in the medic wards called gonitis. And they were all sick. Dysentery, beriberi, dengue fever, all these vitamin deficiencies, rickets. They were, they were just, they were being starved to death by the Japanese and worked like dogs. Uh, not to be crude, but the Japanese, to see whether who was healthy enough, they'd line you up. If you could not pass bloody stool at command, you were strong enough to work. I don't feel well. And the Japanese would say, Squat. I don't see any bloody stool. Go work. And they'd go outside to go work in the fields or build the railroads or whatever they were making them do for the the Japanese empire. If you could, on command, just so happened to have diarrhea and it was bloody, you could stay home. Gonitis was when it was a look that came upon a a person and they said, boy, he's got gonitis, which means he gave up. And they said, without a doubt, within two or three days, those people would always be dead. You could take a perfectly healthy guy, healthier than the most, the average person in those camps, Cabanchuan, whatever your camp was, uh, Cabanchuan was the big one. And uh, if he got discouraged in his heart, waffled just a little bit, how's he doing, dog? Gonitis. Oh, man. He's got a wife. He's got gonitis. We'll be burying him in two or three days. Sure enough, he'd die because his heart just failed. He just quit. He just gave up. But these guys that said, we will not quit. We will not give up. They could overcome anything. They, they, the joke in the, in the p- p- prison camps, they used to gamble when a man, berry berries of vitamin D deficiency cause you to retain water. They said that your legs would swell up like an elephant. So what they would do is they would laugh. They would take gambles on their comrades because they got nothing else to do. They're gambling cigarettes. They said the, the berry berry would knock you down 
because you're so swollen with water, though you're dehydrated, but the dysentery made you get back up and run. And so whenever they saw somebody coming out, they'd bet, is he going to make it? Is he going to make it? He's not making it. Three cigarettes says he don't make it. Yep. Give me three cigarettes. Didn't make it. Just stop and just go everywhere. And yet these guys went through this kind of hell for three and four years till we won and liberated them. And we can't even come to church on a regular basis. We get upset at the littlest things. That's why it was called the greatest generation. They fought and died for people they never met. The Filipinos, the Chinese, us, the free world on the Pacific. They did it. And they, they said, I'm, and when I'm done, I'm going home and I'm seeing my grandma and I'm seeing my girlfriend and I'm seeing my wife or I'm seeing my, my mama. They just wouldn't quit. So many of them, they just gave up. They would, those that wouldn't cope or those that just settled for coping, they just passed away. But others, they just, they just had an indomitable spirit. I will not quit and I'm not giving up. That's what you got to have. Uh, Lazarus raised from the dead, a command, Lazarus come forth and Lazarus obeyed. He was dead too. All these dead people he commanded and, and the dead, even the dead obey. The lame man at the gate, beautiful. Peter and John said, right, look on us, rise up and walk. He obeyed. Lame Anus, Acts 9, 34. Peter said, Anus, Jesus Christ makes thee whole. Arise, make your bed. And he rose immediately. There's a command. Notice he also commanded to make up his bed. We have a biblical command for you to go home and clean your house. <laughs> Arise, make up your bed. Arise, clean up the kitchen. Tabitha, or we pronounce it Tabitha, but the Greek is Tabitha. Uh, Tabitha raised from the dead. And Peter said, arise. She gets up from the dead. You can't coax a dead person into obedience. You have to just straight command them. The crippled man at Lystra, Acts 14, Paul, perceiving he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice. So this was a powerful command. Stand upright on your feet. So I guess he didn't want him hunching or slouching. Stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. He kind of went overboard. Paul just commanded an upright stand. This guy took it the next step further. He said, I see you're upright standing. I leap and I walk. He didn't tell him to walk. He just said, stand up. But you got to know this guy found strength and it just excited him. So last page, patterns of note. Let's see what we can see from all these scriptures. Again, go back and study these more intimately if you want. Several patterns arise from these examples. Number one, these people were sick and didn't want to be sick. Every one of these did not want to be sick. They were seeking healing. They were miserable. They knew they had a death sentence, with the exception, of course, of the dead people. Number two, several of these people sought out healing. They weren't content to be sick. They were not copers. Number three, a voice of authority commanded them to be whole. Number four, the sick were quick to obey the command to arise and be whole. They did not argue. And finally, well, Naaman would be the exception. He said, this is dumb. And the little handmaid said, or actually his, his servant said, the handmaids who, who advertised about Elisha, the, the servant said, if he'd asked you to do something hard, wouldn't you do it? Why not do something simple? When he finally did obey, it worked. Number five, raising the dead requires a command. Number six, Jesus never commanded anyone to be sick. He never looked at any one of them and said, no, no, you're not done learning what you were supposed to learn. No, you sinned too much yesterday. Endure this one more day. All these folks were pagans. They were all heathen, the Gentiles especially, the Jews. You know, these were the folks that were, were it was a cowardly generation. He was always rebuking them. His compassion was causing them to be healed. 
So no matter how goofy we are, seek God, repent. It's not going to hinder your healing. Don't let your head or religion tell you, well, you're having trouble getting this because, well, you goofed up too much. In five years of believing God for warts, how many times do you think I sinned? A lot. How many times do you sin in five years? A lot. And yet it didn't hinder me from getting healed because I was still in faith. As soon as I'd sinned, you know, given to some stupid carnal temptation, I'd say, Father, forgive me. Warts, I command you to get off my foot in Jesus' name. In the, the six weeks it took us to get our daughter Lydia healed of varicose veins, how many times do you think we sinned in six weeks, my wife and I? Probably quite a bit. How much do you sin in six weeks? Didn't hinder my daughter from getting healed. We just kept pressing on and pressing on and pressing on and pressing on. The Lord doesn't even discuss what these people did to be sick in the first place. The lepers, what did they do to get leprosy? The guy with the withered hand, what, what, what did he do to get a withered hand? Did he get in a bar fight? What do you do to sever the nerve? He doesn't discuss. He just says, is this what you want? I want it. Be whole. Be healed. So I want you to be encouraged. This is a command. Do not roll over. Do not take it. Do not play possum. Uh, fight for whatever it is you have need of. The, the thing that is taking this nation is that we are just so lethargic, and that's how the devil likes it. We're just happy with our technology, our comfort, our homes. We're just happy being lukewarm. We're just happy. We think things are going to change without us changing anything. We think the world's going to keep marching on and get better, and we can just coast this thing out. It's not going to happen. This thing's only going to get worse unless the church does something about it. Your, your situation is only going to get worse unless you do something about it. Amen? Father, we thank you for this Sunday school. Bless our hearts and our faith as we believe you for healing. Father, may our faith arise. Your word declares faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. May we be strengthened to preach your word and to rebuke sickness off of our lives. May we never cope, but only conquer in Jesus' name. Amen.